Welcome to the Combat Chat Podcast. This is an Aussie based show covering everything to do with Muay Thai, submission grappling, MMA boxing, and weird news the fight world has to offer each week. Now it's time to combat sports and chill with your boys, Shane, Trent, and Hugh. Hey, yo, your boys are back again. Hello. Yeah. How's things on this lovely Sunday? I mean, like a little reprieve from the rain. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, isn't it though? But like, it's- It looks like it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, I just look over my shoulder and go, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's been a wild and woolly one this whole week and it's like, it's very nice today though. The past about six months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so- uh, And last night? Yeah, I, I got thrown off today. I was unaware. <laughs> like, I, I look at my phone, I go, I was like, oh, it's just so sunny. It's like, okay. And then, and I go outside, look at the house, go, what the fuck's going on? And, and I have jet lag. <laughs> yeah. And like, the kids are up super early as well. Okay, go back to fucking bed. <laughs> uh, but hey, I don't mind a bit extra time Not to do bad. stuff. Yeah. How, how was the week? It's good. Like, you know, just all just. Got a couple of boys on that Yokow show coming up, so Vibe's been pretty good training. Who have you got on there? Uh, so in the pros, we've got Luke Taylor versus course, yep. uh, Hugh Davies. Yeah, that's a good fight. Yeah, I saw him on, we saw him on Hardcore. Yeah, yeah he, looked he looked all right. He's he got bigger, eh? He has. Yeah. That's it. He's looks like strong. Unit. Yeah. <laughs> um, who else do I have on that? I have... Uh, do I have any amateurs on? Oh, um, i got young Zach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Versing a boy from Queensland. Queensland, we're in Queensland. Um, I finished first from Double Dose. Oh, cool. So the, cool. the, the rights. So it'd be good to see them down here. Oh, yeah, that would be nice. I'm pretty sure, though. Yep, yep I'm pretty sure it's from their, their gym. Uh, and then I've got a couple in the development. I've got Jordan, I've got Jakoda. Um, so it's a full full day. Full luck day. Yeah, no, Jakoda's on the dev day. Yeah. Is that weird? Was that. Did he fight like. Oh, he fought on 1774 yeah. amateur, but that was meant to be dev day. Oh, but okay, yep. Yep, 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 yep. I remember. I remember. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. That'll be cool. That's an experience. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yourself, you got anything on the pipeline? Um, still finding out. For, I'm pretty sure I know what's next, but I don't know if it's like confirmed mm-hmm. or whatever. I'll probably be back. I'm pretty sure I'll be back in the ring in May. So yeah, it's just hopefully on. soon. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I've been told, but I <laughs> <laughs> just wait for uh, the, the official releases. Yeah, I've been holding like a billion rounds of pads. Oh, yeah. this week, so I'm Shoulders ready to. I'm ready to just. Fucking stop helping. True. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> stop yeah, contributing. <laughs> and um, focus just, on me. Yeah, stop giving and start taking. taking. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into this, like the stuff we did this week. So this is a little bit of a relaxed fit. No guests this week. Um, We're pretty relaxed all the time. Yeah. No, no, like breakdowns or anything like that or previous. But we will look at a couple of events that uh, just recently passed that were interesting. And we also have a couple of questions that came in as well. Yes. Those. Keep sending questions. I like the question thing. Yeah. I had definitely. some good ones. I think it's been just a while since we just asked for questions so people are like a little bit out tune of it. Yeah. Or you can always go to the Ring Lovers and they just answer lots of questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the Ring Lovers. Yeah, shout I out. I also get my problems like I get a lot of questions mm. in conversation. Like ah. I try to ask for the questions, but people ask me questions like, oh, you should talk about this. I'm like, that's a really good idea, but then I forget. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want me to answer something or you want my – like this other thing like with the questions is like it doesn't actually have to be – 
like a question. It can just be something you want to hear about. That's where I get some of the best ones. I mean, like, because I get I get told a lot, like, I think you should talk about this. But then when it comes to actually, like, you don't have to phrase it as a question. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. can just be something that you want to hear. This. That's where I get some of the best mm. ones from. Is when it's you know, it, it doesn't have to be packaged like that unless you want questions to. or just like yeah, conversations. Yeah, you want, want us to have. Which yeah, it's cool. Things you want me to actually talk speaking about, about conversations and stuff. That you briefly got to meet the man Matt Lucas. What an enigma! <laughs> 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 yeah, thank you, Matt Lucas, for making some time. Um, but uh, I, I get a message from Matt Lucas like when I finish training. Mm. Um, I took my phone back out to go home. And he says, hey, I'm in Sydney. Let's get dinner. And it's like... <laughs> Where? <laughs> uh, which, of course, when Matt Lucas texts, you answer. Everyone knows that. Um, but, like, I didn't bring any... Like, I was at training. I did not bring any clothes. <laughs> um, uh, I went to go see him. But then I, I, I took him... I, I know he is a, a vegan, so I thought I'd take him to Newtown. Fair. But, but then, yeah. like, we couldn't even find, like... a decent vegan place i'm not an expert like there is a lot of them but i didn't know which one so i just looked at the google oh, yeah. we ended up doing vegan pizza that was a pretty good okay. place yeah. for vegan pizza shout out to epic pizza nice um but i i was just so ill prepared i was still wearing my <laughs> disgusting training shorts um and i almost lost my car because newtown is like horrendous to park oh yeah yeah it's terrible eh? yeah um, it's not it's not uh car friendly i knew it was a shitty place to take him but like <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know well where do you take someone who is needs a, a high quality vegan feed mm. and they're only in sydney for a night it, we had to be the front runner yes exactly um but yeah luckily Just, i found my car again. that's all right not enough time to do any tiktoks uh, no TikToks. One little bit of content, but I, same thing. I wasn't ready. <laughs> Nothing to say. I'm always a bit frazzled right after training. Yes. Um, that's like, that's me in my most frazzled state is immediately after training. Like I'm not ready to have another a conversation with another human being, but like <laughs> he was only there till the next morning. Yeah. But no, it was really good to see Matt and talk shop. Talk shop. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Got some nice apparel. Thank you. Yeah, it's looking Matt pretty Lucas good. And Ute fight gear. Oh, you? Okay, mm. sweet. All right. For this very sharp polo. Yes. So, also, like, Matt Lucas was at, at a show as well. Um, mm. That was in Queensland, Infliction, and the main card was uh, David Penape versus Yusuf uh, Boganum. Uh, I didn't actually get to see this fight because there's a lot going on that night, <sighs> fight-wise. A lot going that was on. Big, big, actually, big weekend of fights. Sometimes well. I'm thankful that I just, like, have shit going on. In my personal <laughs> life, <laughs> I wouldn't have time. Um, but you got to see the fight itself. I did. So, um, h- how did it look? How did it pan out? Great fight. Uh, interesting little situation for Infliction Fight Series because they had to do a venue swap mm. the day of or something. Because they're usually an outdoor type show. Generally, an outdoor show. Um, I don't know. Leave, leave it to the hands of the gods. That type of stuff. I they? mean, there's been there's been rain in Queensland the last few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably would have prepared contingency plan. A few, few buckets. Yeah, but uh, apparently it was coming down pretty bad, mm. and they had to switch to an indoor show. Like I want to say, it was the day of or the day before. Well, I think they do a boxing show the day before, and then they do maybe the Muay Thai show yes, afterwards. Yes, they do. Yeah, two day show. Um, I think it was only really. Like it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was within mm. 24 hours yeah, of the yeah, show yeah. that they Definitely. had to come. Because you could see as well from the, I only watched the main event. I, I didn't see any of the other fights. 
but it looked like everyone was like really, really tightly packed in like the outdoor show. Mm. Maybe it would have suited the crowd size a little bit better. The show sold really well. Um, I don't know if it was a sellout, but there was a mm-hmm. big, big, big crowd. Yeah. In a big, loud yeah. crowd. Um, Davey and Yusuf, good fight. Do you see some highlights or... Yeah, I saw some yeah. highlights from there. It looked pretty back and forth. Like you, like you know, a lot of stuff of Yusuf's like left kick and mm. a lot of David coming back with hands and elbows. Um, very loose top rope kind of deal. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, like Yusuf is a, a real favourite of mine and a legend. And something about I think it's something about what you like. I'm very friendly with Dave. I've trained with Dave a lot. I really like him. So it was like I was really excited for this one and was pretty involved in watching it. Um, was watching it and kind of talking to some of my friends at the same time. It's something that makes it so interesting to watch someone like Yusuf fight someone that you know so well. Like it kind of puts it in an almost different context. Uh, but Yusuf is just like there's something. About, and I was talking to Matt about it this week. There's something just fascinating about the whole way he operates. Like, mm. from the first second that he's walking out. Like, he took minutes to even emerge. So, Davey walked first mm-hmm. and Yusuf walked second to this very slow, really interesting walkout track. And he took so long to come out. And, like, I feel like that's on purpose. That veteran kind of move. Yeah, like that. Like, I'm going to let you go out into the ring and just fucking stand there. <laughs> just like, just like, uh, like stewing it a bit. Yeah, and the same thing is when they start doing the, the run more. Like, Yusuf is going to do circles around the ring until you do something. Mm. Like, he'll, he's like, I'm, I'll be here all day. Yes, I'm the you man. You go down first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the man. <laughs> like, I mean, look, maybe I'm just reading into it too far, but I feel like there's... Uh, there's method to the madness here. Like, I think Yusuf is trying to come in here. Like, I don't care that I'm in your country. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care who you are. Yep. Uh, I'm Yusuf. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, for those who are unaware as to who Yusuf is and why it's such a big deal that he's fighting Davies, like, Yusuf is one of the most accomplished... One of the most accomplished middleweight. One of the most... He often gets called one of the best foreign fighters of this generation, mm-hmm. but he's one of the most accomplished middleweights of this generation. Yeah, regardless. Like multiple stadium champion, Omnoy, Rajatamnan, yep. WBC champion. He's done it all. Like even by Thai standards, a, a hell of a rap sheet. Uh, Davies, of course, one of the best, you know, established... I'd, I'd still call Davy like an up-and-comer, although he is mm-hmm. one of the best most established like an international up-and-comer yes as you'd say but one of the most established australian fighters you know at the minute also very interesting that this was davy coming down Mm. in weight which i think we discussed last week davy's a career super middleweight and has fought some so some well established and very capable light heavyweights as well he's fought up closer to that 80 kilo mark has a wmc title at light heavyweight so 74 yeah. Was quite a quite a significant. Well, like the fight before this was it the George Mann fight? Yeah, this one. Yeah, um, like the stark difference in sizes there. Yeah, you can see. Uh, su- super middleweight. Uh, no, middle. Two. Yeah, that was super middleweight. Uh, international title, whatever they call that one. So interesting to see Davy coming down in weight a little bit, and looks like you know seventy four is is starting to nudge that middleweight territory. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the plan to get him. Mm-hmm further along down to there because he looks very different. His composition is super, super oh, different. Is well, it's it? like we talked about when 
saw him the sign the Sydney from there, and I'd just go, "Who's this guy?" Yeah, I go, "I don't even recognize who he is anymore." Yeah, he's trimmed down a lot. Yeah, um, looks really strong. Like, looks like he's in. Because what's interesting to me about Davey at seventy four and and now maybe entertaining the idea of middleweight if, if that's the path he chooses like to it. follow. Like I know he always made weight, but I know he's um, he used to put in some work to make mm. super middleweight. Like yep. he's he's had some some. He had, to, had some had some fires on him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, massive quads. Maybe just just strip the quads a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting. I um to the best of my understanding, he made seventy four really really easily, and I think might in like half a kilo under. Okay, cool. So, wow. so easy cut. Sounds yeah. yeah, sounds to me like he's really left like has really changed his no not like his strategy. I, I don't think this is like a difference in weight cutting strategy. I think this is like a a really significant composition change. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in, like opens a lot of sort of doors because like he was never a massive mm. super middleweight or like heavyweight. Like once you're starting to get to the higher ends of those. Yeah, classes. These guys are big. He was, yeah, he was always on the smaller side. Yeah, or like a little bit on the on the small side in terms of frame and just eighty percent legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like you know, he always matched him strength wise and that, but yeah, the stature and things. Yeah, like his total height frame. Yeah, he was just a little bit small. Yeah, and that's what look. It'd be interesting. I know him and um, Jay Tonkin have talked about wanting to Good fight, match. and that was that was Good the match. idea. I think getting thrown around there was a catch weight, so maybe they'll meet a middleweight, mm-hmm. or maybe they'll still do the catch weight anyway. Yeah, um. <laughs> well, it's like um, I guess like yeah, it was Jay Tonkins <clears throat> just recently just said like he goes ah, oh, it's like his match got uh, get canned. I think mm. maybe the whole card might have got canned. Yeah, I can't confirm that though. But like, hey, look, people need matches. There's plenty going around at the moment. That weight division. Yeah, and I think Davey fits in very nicely down there. Mm-hmm. Not to uh, get sidetracked from talking about the fight, but it's an mm. interesting kind of contextual thing is that like you wouldn't even really think of Davey and Yusuf as be- like if you asked me two years ago mm. Yusuf's coming to Australia who should he fight I probably wouldn't have thought Davey in the mix just by nature if he was like yeah. a super middleweight light heavyweight and, mm-hmm. and Yusuf's a career middleweight yep so yeah that's interesting and the, it, it's a funny thing for Davey because this was his second fight out of Moyu under Kieran Walsh um, but he's been there a couple of years mm. now. I want to say a couple. Of, yeah, yeah, but yeah, a couple, couple of years. Be coming up on a couple of years here, but obviously, you know, the way of the world in the time that he's been there, mm. and and also, like we say, he's fought twice. You know, he got on the scales three times. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Two and one, really close call. Um, that was when War on the Shore, mm-hmm. unfortunately, was cancelled on the day. <laughs> For anyone listening in who doesn't understand, but um. First two fights for Moyu, George Mann and mm. Yusuf Boganum. These are like top tier. These are two, like, guys. George is at present the best light heavyweight in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has the belt to prove it. Uh, Yusuf, the best middleweight of a generation. Mm-hmm. These are big fights. And it's one of those things where, you know, he came up short in by a little in, in both times but was not outclassed either time and gave both guys a good run so I think if you changing it's one of those things where the the results don't necessarily tell the story because you can see how much better David's like David's a different fighter complete completely different fighter than in the fights where he made his name yeah you know like he was never he was always really good but I see he's much more 
much, much more ring smart now. Yeah. Um, like a new, but also like his whole kind of approach is very different. Like I really remember watching David come up as this like kind of all aggression. Yeah. You know, like all gas, no brakes, hands and leg kick stylist. And he's much more diverse in his approach now and much more patient. And it's, I think, in fights like this one, like a lot of the time the ask from the corner is like, you know, just no, go after it. Yeah, like um, just put your foot on the gas and try to give him too much to deal with. And, and we've kind of talked about that approach before. I think mm. that's when like, if that's your instruction against a guy of Yusuf's caliber, I don't think you actually trust your planning ability because mm-hmm. you're just saying like, just try to win with. A puncher's chance. Yeah. Not <laughs> like, the kitchen sink don't try to outskill him. Don't try to genuinely outskill him and plan around what he's going to do. Like, just do everything and hope for the best. <laughs> but that was not the approach here at all, even if that might have lent itself to a previous style applied mm. by there. Because Dave has always been a f- really hard guy to deal with. Like, we've seen him just absolutely rip through some people, kick people's legs off. Just mm-hmm. dr- He used to kind of drown people. He was too much to deal yes. with. Whereas, like, he went out there against Yusuf and and it's that same thing. Like, Davey's now pushing that international level and that's where you have to start to layer your game a little bit more because people are seeing just the all-aggression kind of style. Of course, there's a place for that tempo of course. With this, when the situation with, calls for With it. this fight, though, did, did you see a kind of clear thing from David where he thought there a path of victory was against Yusuf? I think you could see, like, I saw... If we look at this fight round by round, I could kind of... David was quite happy to... Yusuf is a forward fighter. He's, they mm. call him the, the Terminator. He, he likes to wear people down and break them, but he's a forward technical fighter. Like, he's not like a blitzing high, high, high... He's not a blitzing volume for the sake of volume kind of fighter. Like, he's a strategic break-you-down kind of... Like he's a, he's an aggressive technician and he and he's quite relentless and and Davy I felt was reasonably content to kind of settle into the ropes and then I think there's a game like there's this very very interesting moment at the back end of the first round where like Yusuf was getting frustrated mm. and he was getting frustrated with David's lack of willingness to just meet him in the middle and kind of just crash into him like Yusuf towards the end of the first round. And this is like what we're talking about in a roundabout way. He's so fascinating to watch. The way he plays the game and controls every aspect of the fight. Like Yusuf drops his hands, stops fighting. I can't hear what he said to David, but actually just verbally says something and then starts going and walks <laughs> himself back into the middle of the ring and says, come here. And it was like, it wasn't like a one gesture. It was like he completely stops fighting. And this whole thing goes for 15, 20 seconds of him speaking to David and saying, come here and fight me. And I think that's like probably lends itself to – and David was was very calm. He didn't get sucked into anything there. He just kind of shrugs and stays where he is. He'll be pretty says, disciplined the whole time. Yeah, way, he says, you come get me. <laughs> you know, he's, he's getting a little bit frustrated that David – maybe David surprised him. I don't know if he's watched some tape or maybe has probably, seen yeah, David in like more aggressive, um, you know – his previous sort of style, but David was pretty content to sit on the ropes and kind of look to to pick some mm. pick some kicks and try to like I could see him trying to walk Yusuf onto things. Like there was a couple of these straight elbow counters to Yusuf's punch based entry. Yep. Like David trying to come over the top and this really nice angle that he does quite like like an upward mm. forward right elbow. See him kind of 
just trying to find the range on that a little bit early and probably just being a little bit too far away. Mm. You took the whole time chipping over. That left kick is a thing of beauty. Man, everything about Yusuf is so like solid through his midsection. Like that's where all his size is. Mm. And I think that I would have to imagine with that comes a lot of power. Mm. And I see that the way that he just builds that. That loud left kick just sending that flying into Davy's arm and sort of that's very, very difficult to deal with. And Davy through the middle rounds had really started to figure out that kick for kick. You, you know, it, it's hard to block all Yusuf's kicks because he's just so – he's just throwing it. And if you block – I feel like Yusuf's kicking style is the same thing. It's just like relentless, like block it. I'm just going to hurt your block. Yeah. Like he just wants to break you. So David started to really get that good. If I'm going to eat a kick, I'm going to fire a kick right back. Like not let, not let Yusuf just get on that relentless roll. I thought David did that really well, just kept those scores going and just kept the tempo with the fight. Like Yusuf is one of those fighters that when – He's at his best when he starts to build momentum. So even if you can't negate his ability to score or his ability to do some damage on you, you have to keep yourself in the fight and kind of just give him things to fight through. And that's how you let him not quite let him get on that roll. Through, I thought the sort of round two, round three, Yusuf's power kicks were just a big difference maker. But that being said, David was coming back really well. Like he left some welting on Yusuf's leg. Even in the first round, like, mm. I kind of see like, oh, he's, he's doing invisible damage on Yusuf. And then round four and round five, I, I felt you could kind of see from Dave, it was like, okay, we've got to kind of throw everything. And I could hear Kieran in the corner sort of just saying, David, you've got to, you've got to war with him a bit. It's, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and started to do like a... Oh, I mean, I, I can't say for sure, but I think David put some hands on you. Like, David was throwing this nice long right hand that's a bit differently to how I've seen him punch in the past. Like, they were quite refined, and, and I thought it stung Yusuf a couple of times. Like, Yusuf's very, very, very good at playing things off, but I thought he looked a bit stunned mm. once or twice when it's back in the fight. And then David cut Yusuf. Oh, nice. In round four. Mm-hmm. With that upward elbow, it's like he, he, I could see what he was looking to do early, but it was when Yusuf started to get in that later fight kind of tempo, really trying to run David mm-hmm. down. That's where it was, and that's the kind of tempo that I think that was designed for. Cut him quite nicely, not in the terrible spot or anything like that. It was kind of weird. The, the, the ref had a towel in his hand during the fight, and like okay. when there was a break, would – Wipe blood off. Is, is, is that the job of the ref? The, this in this case it was. Usually it's like uh, the ref goes like go to the corner or go to the doctor. Go to, yeah, you're not Because like you've got a beach towel <laughs> and you're rubbing it into it. That's not how you <laughs> clean <laughs> blood <laughs> from a cup. Okay. Like, okay. All right. Not good for it or. No, it's a bit, a bit abrasive. Um, you might just rip it open more. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I thought that was it. Because uh, I've seen this in. Mm. Sunshine State a little bit. I mean, I, I get it. Like, it's that old school refing thing of just keep the fight going. I'm just going to wipe the blood from his face, but that's not. Nerf style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but then it was interesting as well because Davey was uh, liking that, hanging back off the rope, and he was being a little bit cheeky. He was grabbing the rope. Ah, didn't he, like, uh, go over the top rope a couple Quite times? Quite a lot. And Yusuf, this is, like we said, Yusuf is in control of everything. And he has uh, – it's experience. It has to be 
you can't get this anywhere else in that light. He zoned in on the fight, but at one point, Davey's grabbing the rope. He talked to the ref a lot, mm. said he's grabbing the rope, and talked to David, said stop grabbing the rope. And you can see them having a little conversation. And at one point, he starts to get really pissed off about it. Mm. And David puts his arm over the rope, and Yusuf leans both of them over and starts speaking to the ringside judges. <laughs> like, and he's not, it's the same thing. It's like we talk about that, that mm. opening part of the fight where it's not one second of come here. It's a complete disrupt stop and you're going to listen to what I have to say. He leans over the rope to the point where like, I think the ref was a bit unsure what to do. Like you've got to bring him back in and you don't, you don't let someone start to converse with ringside judges while they're fighting. Yes. But no one tries. So that's why it's probably like, it's not something you have to deal with that much. This is a first. Yeah. He leans out and he starts going back and forth and he's making sure that they're listening and he's he's not shouting something out and then getting back to fighting. He's stopping for a conversation to say he's grabbing the rope and that's illegal. (laughs) And then as the later parts of the fight, because I could see what the logic was like, Yusuf has really good sweeps from there. Mm. Like he likes to catch those kicks and kind of just, so Davey would, would, he was being a little bit conservative with his kick. Like he tried to position himself. And there's, I've had chats with people in the gym about this. Like it's one of those things that can be a bit of a gray area because if you can kind of position like your back and your upper shoulders against the ropes as you kick so that if a sweep comes through, they're there to upright yourself. Yep. That's a little bit of just craft. But outright hooking your arm over the rope yeah. is, of course, not allowed. So, illegal. So you can see what the goal was, was just to position himself against the rope so that if Yusuf catches that kick, David can kind of snatch it back and be upright. Right mm. to kind of run Yusuf onto something. I like doing that. Yep, that kind of lean back against the ropes, mm. and people will argue with each other about whether because I think mm. it's just the thing is when you like that, it's so easy to just be cheeky and make yeah. sure the refs Gets on the, the other side and <laughs> <laughs> hook your arm over. So yeah, Davey at one point just had his arm hooked over the rope, and Yusuf's like, you know what, fuck it, and he takes the law into his own hands <laughs> and just throws Davey over. <laughs> it happened twice. Threw David head first yeah. over the ropes and he landed on the judges' table. And it was interesting in that it was so deliberate. What do you do as a ref in that kind of situation? I'm not getting in his way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, man, that's, that's no, you guys. Uh, I think it's tricky because Yusuf made a pretty valid point. He's like, I've told you 10 times his arm's over the rope. So yeah. it's a bit like you could say, you'd warn him, don't. Mm. On purpose. That's another thing that's great too is you could be like, oh, I didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty obvious he was doing it. Okay. Because if someone's arm is over the rope and they're leaning themselves away from you, can, it's, it's not a hard thing to do. Like it relies on you choosing not to do it because it's not allowed. But it's like that's, again, this experience. Like that's how Yusuf, I'm sure he's done it before. Yeah. You want to grab the rope? I'm just you yeah, I think it was one of those like, eye for an eye kind of things where it's difficult to penalise anyone because it comes back to... Because Yusuf could say it just happened because his arm was over the rope. If he doesn't put his arm over the rope, he won't end up out of the ring. It's hard to penalise anyone. Yeah, true. But the same thing with the arm grabbing thing. At one point, Yusuf's corner was so angry that they stayed in the ring a long time and the ref applied a count to the corner. Wow. Which like I cannot remember. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I've heard about it, Mm. but I've never seen it actually happen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's so interesting. This this fight is like so many interesting points. <laughs> so many layers. <laughs> yeah. Um. That was fascinating. Yeah. I've never. Maybe I have, but I don't. Uh, like within Australia, I don't think I've ever seen that. Mm. It sounds that, like uh, in general the fight, like it itself, but even just the whole thing. It's like you know, just 
one for the history books. Yeah, and I don't know what the implications of that are in a scoring sense yeah. because the eight count. Has, look, you think about what an eight count is. It's you're giving a defined amount of time to assess whether someone can continue. That's not what that that's symbolic. That eight count. I don't know if it's like I'm giving you eight seconds to be completely out of the ring. Yeah, or I take a point, or if it's like you're trying to show the judges. Yeah, well, and then it's up to the judges' discretion to make it. Like, it's like well, yeah, like am I really gonna? Be Right, Yusuf's quite soundly winning this fight, but his corner stayed in too long and the ref counted. So I, I'm going to take a down. point away. Yeah, I, I, mm, nah. I have to talk to my officiating teacher. <laughs> that. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, the uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it was, a, it was a sick fight and it was close. Like mm. Davey especially. David showed his class. Yeah, Yusuf was Yusuf, of course. Like I know you're biased. I am biased. <laughs> when my friends fight, like I, but like I was watching this because I wanted to see David upset Yusuf. Mm-hmm. I'm not shy about admitting that. Yeah. Um. And if that wasn't the case, I would be, be a fucking asshole. Oh. Really. <laughs> and, uh, I think yeah. Yusuf was Yusuf. David showed his class very well and showed he belongs in this caliber of fight. And I also believe showed that he's on the tr- on the path. To start winning fights like this Oh yeah I don't think it ever looked Outside of his You know The realm of his capability For him to take this It's mm. just he got A little bit Outdone in the The finer moments Yep um, Yusuf landed with A little bit more power Yusuf kept himself in the, Yusuf's experience showed mm. But Davey will have Gained a lot From just spending Five rounds And I think Davey Will gain a lot of confidence From putting on a yeah. performance Like that against Yusuf Especially in those Later rounds He hurt Yusuf He definitely hurt Yusuf He cut him there were some, like, you know, completely inarguable things in this fight that David did well. And, and the rate that he's improving is pretty incredible. Mm. So, um, yeah, sick fight. Sweet. That's Enjoyed it. it. And it's good. I like to see the like more and more we see Australians fighting at this level. A, it's really sick to see Australian shows have the resources to bring guys at this level in. Mm. And, like, we're hanging. Yeah, you know what oh, I mean. Like, you can see the cali- We see on local shows the caliber of our fights when we fight each other is going up, mm-hmm. and that is being reflected in the efforts that we can put in against. Not just this, because Yusuf is not just high level international opposition. He's the best of an era, mm. all time. Yes, yeah. yeah, and it's good that yeah we need to see that for ourselves as Australia that we can hang, and then it just kind of spies more people to. It should be a good confidence level. boost, and if you're at more you learning from David, you should be like, oh. Dude knows, shit. knows what he's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> nice. enjoyed it a lot. Um, I didn't see, like I said, any of the rest of the show. It's a, it's a very interesting show. Structure and affliction. Um, mm. oh, oh, Natalie beat um, Shannon Tilbrook. Oh yeah, yeah she's coming along quite well. Yeah, and she'll up. get to go to Lumpini now. Ah, oh, nice. That's see, that's what I like as well. Is a this show is bringing in top end fighters, but also pathways are really important. Mm. Well, they're bringing their show to Lumpini. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and Nat gets the trip over, which is really cool. Awesome. We like to hear that. And then the rest, it's an interesting one in that, like, a lot of the undercardies, like, want to be a fighter type mm. fights. And I had a, an interesting talk with Matt Lucas on this. That he says, because I, 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 I watch the shows and I'm like, yeah, I really want to see my friends fight. I want to see Natalie fight and I want to see David fight. But I don't. Enjoy watching, <laughs> you know, like the, the Muay Thai equivalent of corporate fighter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's not to say it shouldn't happen. It's just, it's not my 
I'm not disparaging it. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, like you know, well that that kind of stuff. That's for you know whoever's fighting for their friends. Yeah, it's not for like us that actually like. Yeah, we actually love more time. Just like most exactly. good fights, and that's to say, it's not to say it shouldn't happen or it shouldn't. Yeah. I'm just saying from my my perspective. And I had an interesting chat with Matt Lucas when we were having our business meeting, and he said, "No, I actually think as a promoter, it works really well." Oh, understandable. Because I mean, yeah, we know it does, but <laughs> also he said, like, the more the sport starts to support people who we know, I think our sport. And this touches on a little bit of what we talked about last week with how do we grow grassroots Muay Thai. Mm. Our sport can be quite closed when it comes to people who we know aren't going to be around long term. Mm. Um, whereas in this case, you have a bunch of fights that are between two people that are just doing it for a kind of novelty. They bring in a bunch of their friends and family because that's where the ticket sellers are. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's been a promoter would probably agree. It's like first time amateurs yep. that are bringing along a bunch of people to see them fight as a novelty rather than to watch them fight in a professional sporting context. But then you've got all these people are in the room and then you bring out one of the best, like a true representation of real elite level Muay Thai in David and Yusuf. And maybe you've made a whole arena full of new fans. Yep. And that's that's, that's probably a perspective that I hadn't given enough mm. respect. Because it's a funny, like, to us, I mean, to me anyway, probably quite similar. Like, I want to watch a fight like Yusuf versus David atop, like, a really built-out undercard of, mm. like, up-and-comers. You know, that's why these shows like Rebellion and stuff like that are really good because they that proper Muay Thai. Mm. All the way to the top and you watch, like, the up-and-comers at the opening part of the show building up towards... The veterans, but the reality is that just pulls in people, the same crowd. It's already in the industry. Time. Yeah, yeah, because we love it. We'll watch anything where it's like, it's creating that showcase environment. It's an interesting idea is how you blend it because there's a credibility element in that you want to put on high level Muay Thai, but then there's also that sustainability element. You want to pull, because like I'm yep. sure all those people will know who David is now mm-hmm. and will want to watch him fight yeah. again. Um, and if you don't, then Muay Thai is probably not for you. <laughs> so yeah it's interesting um different different ways different ways to kind of build the sport you know we can be close-minded there's different different ways to do it yeah that's definitely like mess i think i never really thought of it like that but when you say like yeah that makes a ton of sense yeah yeah Yeah. i felt like a bit bit of an asshole (laughs) (laughs) but that's okay but like um but yeah that's that's how we're gonna do it that grass level that next level is being getting the general populace in that's not exposed to it, exposing it to it and, you know, and get them in, get them, you know, well into Muay Thai. Yeah. Like and the top end by, by doing maybe, maybe some more corporate stuff. I and then know. it's, it's yeah. also like, you know, these people that sell the, as kind of corporate or want to, I don't know what I and I guess it's not corporate as such, but the want to be a, Challenge that kind of vibe. I know they all have different brand names. Yeah, it's the same. You you all know the same concept. You do your little. There's not. There's not like something like in New South Wales. There's not really something like that. The closest thing is Winter Warrior. Yeah, but then Queensland has a standard thing. Yeah, like I want to be a kickboxer. Is it? He's he's, yeah. Want to be a kickboxer? Yeah. And then he's Reinhardt doing something of this vibe now. Oh, actually, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, might be that. There's a little bit of it happening, and it's Mm. cool. It's like for bucket listers. True. Sign up and mm-hmm. do their twelve week challenge or mm-hmm. whatever, and it's like these people. I think that's another point that Matt Lucas made when we were discussing it. Was he said these people that 
get a feel for it. And even if they are only going to go in and do it once just to tick it off the bucket list, like they become the most powerful advocates for it because they get that little bit of experience. And it's like we say, the people who really want to watch fights are the people who have, who have current and former fighters. Mm. And that's because they have the experience and they can relate to it. And you can kind of offer a little taste of that yeah. to the general populace and that's how they bring friends with them. And maybe next time they're like, okay, that was my one fight. But next time I want to buy a bunch of tickets with my friends and just yeah. enjoy it. And I now have that little piece of, mm. you know, that, that closer involvement. I think, yeah, it's a good strategy. Yeah, cool. It makes sense. Something it's to look into a bit more. Just that yeah. like, you know, if I bought a ticket to watch David fight Yusuf. I, I don't enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not enjoy it. It's just to me, it's like it's changing hats a lot. Yeah, true. But it's like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the other kind of point that we came to. It's like, I'm not who you're trying to appeal to when you go on a show. Yeah. Because I'm going to be there anyway. I'm going to be there anyway. You already got my money. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. <laughs> All right. So let's, um, other shows go. Let's go quickly into um, the one stuff. Quickly? Got, yeah. I know, I know. It was a fucking like, what, 24 hour show or something like that. Oh, I think the main event was like 3 a.m. or something. Oh, yeah. I caught the first two cards and then the pay per view card was just too late. I was going, I just never. To me, it. honestly, the pay per view card was not the most interesting collection of fights. It was Superbond versus Marat was on that card. Yes. That was where it fell off a cliff for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to remember. I'll tell you from a lineup, card. if you put together, um, if you put together like, this is the thing I had with this card, just get my notes together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I know one's thing is like high volume. Like we do a show every, like over periods of time, there's a show every week. Mm. Like they do a lot of shows a year with a lot of fights. Like we've talked about this before. You'll, there'll be a 20 fight card. And that sometimes I think that's for the sake of like to look like a, you know, they're big into protecting that image of this, the scale of them as a sports franchise. Mm-hmm. And we start talking about, we're doing three shows in one day. Like I say, why? Do <laughs> like, one show Why? And there's enough fights on here To make a show I'd give you 50 bucks for Okay So if you gave me Nongo versus Lobo Capitan versus Akimoto Superbon and Marat uh, Chingis and Sizuchai Niki versus Sinsamut I'd pay you for that Yeah All those oh, fights were on this fun. show but They were just spread across three of mini, that's the other thing I don't get. Three shows in one day. It's still one shot. It's, still <laughs> it's a very long show. <laughs> part one, part two, part three. Kind of, it's like no, we've heard like yeah, long enough shows like you know in Australia that, that as well. Yeah, but just like, not not that ultra high caliber. <laughs> so um, yeah, like there was enough on there to say this was a huge event. It's just mm. that like I feel a lot of it was filler. Yeah, and that's not like there was. That's, I have to be conscious of I only like the Muay Thai and the kickboxing stuff, of course. And I know this was now starting to build out their offering a little bit to appeal to different audiences. Like they did some submission grappling, mm-hmm. which I, of course, don't know anything about. But Submission grappling, they have their usual MMA, uh, MMA stuff as well. From there, um, yeah. So like I watched like the, the Gavel fight and that was, that was okay. From there, but like, same thing. It's like I don't go out of my way to watch a lot of submission grappling, even if I do jujitsu, but... Yeah, like, you know, this when you got, like, Chingas and City Chai, I go, yeah, I'm sitting up to watch that. Yeah, that was a sick fight. It was a good fight. But um, let's, let's go, uh, I think, a chronological order here. So, like, Nikki Holson getting in from Muay Thai with the small gloves against uh, Queen Me. 
Which I didn't really know much about him. See, all. I did not know this. Mm-hmm. He's Sutsa Korn's brother. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah? I'd seen wow. him fight a little bit, yeah. but not for a while. And just kind of on yeah. the entertainment shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's Sutsa Korn's His brother. brother. Wow. He's a big tie. Yeah. Big fella. Big guy. Yeah. Sutsa Korn's big too. Yeah, true. True. Um, Massive, huge frame, really massive, arm. huge. Um, uh, you, watching this match, you can see why Nikki kind of took it because, like, well, I don't know if that was the gentleman's agreement. This is not Muay Thai, but he doesn't have like that kind of like, yeah, like that. I don't know if you want to call it like that pure Muay Thai style, mm. very kickboxing tension, loves a further overhand, likes his hands. Yeah, big kicker. I thought, big um, kicker. it was just kind of that he's he's powerful. Yeah, like those kicks were. Uh, I thought he did a really good job of just timing Nikki and really aiming that kick over the top of Nikki's arms to just frame him because he was kicking from both sides, mm. and you could see the way that it would just slam onto Nikki's guard. He wasn't aiming for the kind of midsection, and yep. he wasn't coming up. He was aiming because Nikki's got that very tight Dutch mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. guard, especially and, with the small gloves on. Yeah, with those yeah. little gloves, nothing to really create that sort of. Yeah, no padding. Padded sort of. <laughs> Padded kind of shield, but he wasn't even. He was timing in a way that Nikki, he couldn't really establish his jab, kind of mm-hmm. get into that. He works into range to that boxing, that inside boxing kind of range really yep. nicely. And maybe there's a degree of apprehension when you know the clinch now exists in the fight, and Nikki's yep. not a career Muay Thai fighter. That's also very interesting because he's fought Muay Thai twice in a row. It was Wayne Parry's last fight before this? Oh, uh, yeah. That I was also so. yeah. Muay Thai. And, like, he was never a career Muay Thai fighter. He has had some Muay Thai fights. Like, mm-hmm. he fought Kai Holland back in America mm-hmm. years and years ago. But he's a career kickboxer and now at 38 years old. Seems to be like, all right. Just, okay, so I'll take whatever. Now. <laughs> um, I guess maybe it's to get in the little glove. I think little gloves kind of. Yeah. Suits him. Suits him. Like that that sort of high volume. He's always had that high volume, only semi-committed kind of disruptive punching style where mm. he comes in in combination. He's quite happy to touch, 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 and then just find the one, which is like yep. how Usually sort of – Body hook, mm, body. and yeah, being able to sneak that body hook in mm. a little bit better, and the way that a lot of his attacks are not. I think a lot of Dutch stylists would struggle with their hands in the little gloves. Yeah, like because everything's a hundred percent committed, quite round, short mm-hmm. shots. Like you might same as like if you put an elite boxer in, mm-hmm. and they just, like they like gloves. to work behind the the, the earmuff defensive. Yeah, bit. oh, that's the thing that would probably inhibit Nikki fighting in the little gloves. In that he does like that, mm. that very classic. Dutch. But he, he's, he's in, yeah, to just kind of put the big 10-ounce gloves over your head like that, kind of wade through mm-hmm. your opponent's head. But I, I think he, he's quite, he's an intelligent boxer. So, like, yes. I think that would... He, well, he's, he moves he's got pro boxing at, experience at a high level. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he does too. And, and moves his head a lot, which which helps. Yeah. And you can see that even in this fight, he was weaving yeah, quite weaving comfortably. Until so he weaved into an overhand. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I thought um, Sin Samut did a good job of framing Nikki with those middle kicks, like we say, coming mm-hmm. over the top of his, his guarded arms and just not letting him come in, but also just keeping him. Nikki's quite active in. on his feet and the way that he would just keep him right in front of him by whichever way you want to step and it comes into that Dutch style, the way that he kind of shifts his upper body. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would go for the legs in that, like if you're trying to keep someone yep. in, in one place, but it's the way that Nikki kind of commits. He's very good at using his torso and I would say that comes from having a more refined boxing style very engaged with how he gets his core through his work and how he repositions without actually moving his feet. 
if that makes sense. That's what like a lot of that more detailed offensive game is, is he can really change his position and where his shots land just by how he kind of shifts his upper body. I thought the way that the just kind of smacking those hard middle kicks into the arms and just keeping Niki right in front of him was a big part of what opened up sure. to get that overhand landed. Mm-hmm. Just, just keep him in one place, disrupt him. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple like some interesting little clinch exchanges where I thought since I'm almost just set out to frustrate Niki because he, mm. he dumped Niki a couple of times, but they weren't real clean kind of trips. It was like he would just bear his weight down over the top just of Niki. physicaled him down. Yeah, and that's what you could kind of see. Of course, Niki's not. You know, I, I think when you put a high-level Dutch stylist in a Muay Thai fight, the problem is not elbows. You know, you can deal with I – mean, it's, it's potentially a problem, but it's not the biggest problem. It's the clinch. Yeah. People say, how's he going to deal with elbows? Probably okay. Mm. If you can see punches, you can see <laughs> an elbow, right? <laughs> you don't want to get hit by it. You put something in the way. Mm. But it's once you, they clinch up. Sinsenmo didn't – like we said, he didn't set out to expose that as a weakness. Like he wasn't really pushing forward to play a bullying knee game, but he would just bear his weight down, just mm. arch over the top, sit over Niki and just send him falling onto his back. Yeah. Just kind of, I guess, just trying to frustrate him there or just show uh, some strength. Mm-hmm. Probably trying to maybe keep him in the middle range as well instead of coming in close to throw body shots. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. true. Just give him a reason not to kind of mm-hmm. be in there. But then come second round, just hit a pearler of an overhand right. And like we said, he'd been for it a few times. Yeah, he, he was fighting for it. He wasn't, <laughs> it's interesting to me that he was not being secretive. Nah. You know, against a guy who boxes like Niki does, you know, you might think he'd be like, I'm going to sit back here and kick. Mm. But he just belted that over him. Man, just and Niki moves the first few times, but I guess just gave him enough little frustrating looks yeah. to kind of be like, all right, I'm just going to send it Yeah, down. he's going to send it down. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, but uh, Nicky Austin, yeah, got knocked out. Um, I was impressed. Did, did, yeah, couldn't beat the count, really. Elias waved it off, just goes, that's enough. And yeah, he's not quite nah, there. Doesn't. It was a good stoppage. Uh, um, who, who do you want to see Sinsamut fight next? Because there's no no Muay yeah, champion in that one. No, no, no. Yeah, it's not a really active division. No, but it looks to be coming together a bit now. Yeah. Mm, I'm not too sure. Can, who would go? It's like, well, it'd be more so as people going up in that division. I have ideas. You have ideas? Liam Nolan. I was thinking that. Yeah. And I have another idea. Yeah. George Mann. Yeah. He's already been in. He's already been in ones like you know. Time to, yeah, come, send come him. Back. Send him back to that heavyweight. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. He's done enough there in his place. Yeah. He's gone and won the world title mm-hmm. since he's like showing him one championship. Yeah. I want to see Sinsamo versus George Mann. Oh, that's it. George Mann first got to get past the weapon coming up soon. We'll talk about that fight when it gets closer. Actually, either of the either the winner of that fight. Yeah, whenever that gets Sinsamo. I just know <laughs> George already has a contract or has yeah, previous one previous. experience, but I think the winner of that fight. Yeah, He's the fight. best person to fight. Hey, but like, good. once you get those those two guys, Sinsamut mm-hmm. and Liam Nolan, is a very so that's good, a good mix. Fight, yeah. Just a good mix. It kind of just shows like how good Liam Nolan is because he beat Yusuf recently as well. Yeah, so he's well on top of his game. Yeah, I like uh, I like what's going on around that way. Like, good. it's like it's one has no. Yeah, that's a division that based on what's going on all over the world, that's worth building, building up now. And I didn't mean like. I don't have to tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you listen. They know you. where they've got with um, you know, there was method behind putting yeah in some of it in that big show. Of course, so yeah, need need some eyes on him against a big name. Interesting as well. Since some of I believe fights out of Venom, and he's managed by oh, yeah. Medizetu. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. I saw him going to that. Yeah, 
It's awesome. It seems like working well for him. Mm. All right. So the main event for this part one card was Chingas versus Sidichai. Mad fight. I really oh. enjoyed this. Man, like Ch- Chingas, like really just on fire. He's so, wicked. He's wicked. This was a rematch. Mm. Sidichai beat Chingas yeah, a few years ago in China. This was close, I thought. Mm. It's uh, it's, I, I, you could just see off the bat, like, it's, it's ch- just Chingas style, just like I'm just gonna explode. Yeah, try and catch. Like it was almost at like the first, like your city type gets touch gloves and she just goes. Fuck no, he wasn't interested. <laughs> 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 just tapes the fuck out and then she goes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of great body work from Chingis because, like, you know, he's that, like the head, head kick. Yeah. But just absolutely punishing the body and then bringing it back up top. Well, Chingis just has this like incredible dexterity. Mm. Like he'll hit the body and just roll a head kick over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some great knee work. Yeah. As well. Coming yeah, the, the body work in general, everything that went out the body was wicked. There was a couple of times where like he was doing the, like T child kick, but then you catch return and just like just blast straight mm. to the body. Then you could see I visibly like that. Just, or even just audibly just the fight of that shot. You get a killer shot. I liked that a lot. It was it was working well. He landed a he even actually landed like if you want to learn how to like a uh, land a spinning back fist, like Chingas probably did the best example I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. About three of them. Yeah, pretty sweet. Like uh Spinning back kick as well. Yeah. Straight into uh, Sid Charles midsection. Yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty good. It was a pretty good fight. Yeah. High pace. High pace fight. Oh. So what do you reckon? Because like uh, in that one, retrospect, that buys him a title uh, uh, Title of uh, the go against the Tiger City Bond. Did he win? I mean, uh, City, uh, Super Bond. Did he like. win a million dollars? Was it? Was there a million? I oh, know the yeah. Last I, time yeah I forgot that this is actually a tournament as well. Yeah, he <laughs> wins the, wins the, I see where they, they got a different like looking belts now. So the, ah, he's the Grand Prix. Tournament. The Grand Prix Championship now. And then, you know, they did a new title belt on this. They changed the one. Oh, did they? Belt, yeah. But now they like, so you know that big belt that, mm. Trojan won for winning the tournament. Yeah. And Mighty Mouse won mm-hmm. those big silver ones. The title belt is now the same belt in mm-hmm. gold. Oh, so okay. It's like if you win a tournament, you get the silver one. And <laughs> Isn't that like a, a boxing thing? You get the diamond belt. And then just give him a trophy. But yeah. anyway. And give him his money. Like, no, no. Just, just give him the money. Yeah. Just, just come out with a suitcase full of cash yeah. and go, this is your prize. You go, yes. But that's thanks. what I was thinking. Like, I swear I remember this being advertised as a million-dollar tournament. And I know the first one was, like, the million dollars. But then, like, as we got closer to the final, I yeah. just saw, like, a lot less talk of a million dollars <laughs> in the messaging around it. <laughs> so and it's like... We've, we've decided to give our 50,000 grand bonuses to, to, to fight an artist. Yeah, they're throwing cash around, though, right? Didn't they do, like, seven bonus winners in this fight? Yeah. This, this, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. But like, you know, hey, if you got the cash to throw around then. I like it. Mm. Um, this is going to the proper fighters. But yeah, but I'd have to imagine that with this also comes the chance. That makes you the number one contender, right? I think so. I mean, like, I can't see who else it would be. Yeah. Cool. Like, yeah, fuck, I'm definitely down for Superman versus Jazz. Massively. That's, Sign me up for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so like I said, we just quickly go through this. Uh, oh. How was this fight? Capitan versus uh, Hiroki. Most impressive person in the ring was Elias Delopsis. He had his hands full. Massive. But like I was talking um, to, you know, anyone who will listen <laughs> during the show. And I was really, really enjoying watching Elias referee. Like I just started. Just how he just addressed everything. Yeah, but he's just so good. Like I'm not just saying that because we know him. Um, one question on that is like, so what does the actual yellow card mean? 
I think the yellow card in this one is like the, you remember the pride yellow card? Yes. Like it's ten percent of Healthy your purse. purse. I'm pretty sure it's you because I also it's like yellow, yellow. Yeah. And then if you have to warn again, you mm. you take a point. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just like it's a, not even like you know disqualification kind of like. Well, I guess it'll you have to be a lot of. And then beyond that, mm-hmm. it's a red card. Ah, uh, okay. If you get a red card, you're just yeah. donezo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Man, like Capitan, like it was just like Hiroki, just like the volume of this fight. He's so place. jacked, <laughs> suspiciously jacked, suspiciously jacked. <laughs> especially compared to Capitan from there. But like, it's just a, the output mm. of this fight from the get go, from the first round to the fifth, was just insane. What I've noticed about actually, he has one thing I was going to say about. Chingis as well. And look, they don't fight similarly, but one thing that I thought was similar is I think the reason that um, Akimoto can fight with such a high volume is that, like, there is no setup required on so many of the mm. things that he does. Like, I was watching his left kick a lot, like his lead kick. Yeah. And the way that he can just land that without switching or anything like that, like, yeah. he just pushes it out in front. And that's what I think allows it's a couple of things like the volume can be so high. Because there's no really defined setup. It can just, he has a number of techniques that, mm. when done in like a traditional way, require that one second to set up that disrupt. Like you have to disengage to set them up. He just throws from wherever, but also the way that he seems to be able to attack from just wherever he lands, like quite yeah. diverse and somewhat ambidextrous, I suppose, in that throw, drop down, continue to attack. And that's like that where that drowning kind of volume yeah. comes from because when your opponent's waiting for you to, you go, okay, he got a good one there and now he's going to land and, and reset <laughs> himself a little bit. You just, there's more, more, more. It's like it's, and like with that style he's doing as well, he was absolutely like, you know, flattening um, Capitan against the cage as well. Mm. Just like, you know, just didn't have any time to get out and really didn't have an option on, except for clinching. Yeah. And piecing his leg too. Yeah. I thought Capitan was going to go down from the low kicks. Yeah, but Capitan was having a good crack too. Like this was a very was back good and forth. back and forth fight. But uh, yeah, Akimoto was just doing the... He was landing the techniques that was negating Capitan's ability mm. to come back. Like those low yep. kicks. And landed some cracker right hands as well. Yep. Um, Both got a chin on him. Yeah, wicked chins from the pair of them. And then, yeah, like, it's always tricky in kickboxing is that, like, I think Capitan has uh, adopted the kickboxing rule set very well. Yep. But you get that habitual, like, what I noticed was a big difference between the two of them was the inside boxing that existed mm. for Akimoto in that he will frame with his forearms and kind of push to make space. and Because you watch, like... I think there's always a lot of confusion in these kickboxing fights as to like, you know, what constitutes a clinch and what's that. I'm getting my head around it much better. Like I Mm. think you have to actually pay a little bit of attention in that. Like watch the way that they will clinch. It's like in boxing. There is clinching. Yes. It's just you have to know how to clinch for the rules. And and it's the way that Akimoto was always positioning like his forearms to make space, attack, and then you can come back in. It's not actually about... It's a lot like elite inside boxing. Like you always see in boxing now, guys just grab a hold of each other and get separated. Yeah. But if you watch examples of high level inside exchanges, they can actually be making contact and it's consistent space making maneuvers attack and you can come back in mm. like that. That's what I thought was just a difference in that when there would be like a drawn out inside exchange, Capitan would, would grab. Mm. Whereas Akimoto was trying to 
That's why I saw okay. a lot of people But Akimoto so, was attacking too And it's like But that's the ref's job To look and be like Yes Are they clinching Or are they Boxing on inside the inside yeah. I guess it's like If, if you're kind of If you're clasping your hands Then it's like You know Oh we've got a break But if you're like Yeah If you're marking on the inside With your gloves And your head a bit And continue a bit of like You know Action Then the yeah. way to go and it's like when you're clinching, like it's your job to get out. So if you come in and you attack and you do quite well, but then you grip and then just shut the fight down, mm. you're not going to be given as much credit in the score. But you're kind of negating your own scores because oh, you couldn't okay. do it without. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And it, it does make when both sides are well across, it makes for a really interesting flow of the fight. Mm. But I think that is the, it's the trouble when you watch kickboxing that is, can be so stacked with Muay Thai converts in that that's the yes. problem is like it's most Muay Thai, elite Muay Thai fighters have the tools to create a, a kickboxing game without too much trouble there's numerous examples but it is that inside mm. you know it's a whole range that doesn't exist in a Muay Thai fight because if you're that close you the safe measure is to start engaging to clinch and landing these the same thing as well you can knee you can repeatedly knee and you can throw elbows it changes whereas like when you're in a kickboxing fight, you have to be able to play that in close, you know, hands and feet striking game. Yeah. So that's always interesting to me and because there's always complaints, but I think a lot of time as Muay Thai guys, we don't understand mm. what's legal and what the aim is in there. And it's different. It's just a different aesthetic to get your head around. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just got to train the rules. Yeah. To play all right, so great fight um, though. Yeah, so let me see on that one. Hey, right, so the main event for the second part though, big fight. Yeah, Nong O versus Felipe Lobo. Man, Fisher Jim. Nong O so good. <laughs> yeah, I can't see really anyone defoning him at this point. It's I don't even know who's left. I think he's, he's well and truly kind of cleared out the division. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll find him mm. fights, but I don't, I don't know who because I know they. Oh no, Lobo's been in one championship a few times, but I kind of almost feel at this point that they're having to look externally, unless they mm. bring in another high end tie from the stadiums. But I, that never really seems to be there in like the tie versus tie. Yeah, they've like done it a little bit, but I don't know if if they'd be looking for a, a top flight tie of this era to go and fight Nongo. I don't know if that would be. Yeah, what they wanted. I don't. It's it's not really seems like the the philosophy of one. Yeah, yeah. But like, man, like Nongo just absolutely lights out Lobo with the uppercut. Crazy and beautiful. Like I love the way that oh, I went back and watched this a couple of times, and you watch and you know Lobo was just struggling to find his feet. Yeah. Oh, it was struggling it was, to it was commit. Just, he was just scrambling, scrambling yeah. a lot, as you will against yes. a computer. But he actually pops Nongo with a jab at one point, mm. kind of snaps his team back, and Nongo's like, goes, yeah, "Okay, come on, yeah. <laughs> cool." Because then, just uh, almost, I suppose instinctively, there was three jabs kind of in almost succession. It's the first one gets Nongo, and the second one, Nongo kind of just waits for it and closes his hands over the top. And it's that Felipe feels like maybe he's starting to find his entry point. So it's like, okay, I'm getting Nongo with this, and sits on it a little bit more, and just class slip out, classic slip uppercut. Mm. Wicked, <laughs> just yeah, it's just beautiful to watch him fight, and it's just like you know, just you watch every fight, and it's just all it's always a different set of tools. Yeah, he's he's kind of like yeah, finishing fights or winning fights with. It's never like the like you know, oh, I'm just I just got this one set of techniques to do, but it's always something different. Yeah, he's got a big toolbox. Mm. Just do whatever. Really you want. not taking any down. Fucking jealous. Yeah, <laughs> um, but also like. 
Nong Ho just being absolutely dominant. There was like, uh, like against controversy or people trying to read into situations of chattery. Yeah, I don't know if um, I don't know. I, I don't know. He look, uh, a few people asked me this. Why was I don't know why people ask me this. Like, I might have any idea. <laughs> why was Chashi angry? He looked angry. I don't know why. Yeah, like I said, he's, he's just got a constantly, like, grumpy cat face on him. Well, this night he did. He usually looks all, like, mm. I don't know, calm and I don't know. Oh, yeah, just, like, just very, like, monotone. He's got a bit of a character to him, yeah. But he looked at like, – because he also didn't put the belt around Nongo's waist. Right, oh, like, yeah. he just dropped it over his shoulder. <laughs> Here you go, cunt. Like, I remember when Anderson Silver fought Demi Maya in Abu Dhabi. I Dana White just gave the belt. Yeah, like didn't put, put it on, on him yourself. properly. And it was like that. Like, he just slapped it over it his says shoulder. says a lot. I don't know. Like, that's a but what are you, what's your problem? You got an issue with that? One of the best KOs I've ever seen in my life. I what do you want? On other podcasts I've heard that, like, supposedly what is circling around, and this is not substantiated whatsoever, but, like, you're saying, like, he, he fought too technical. I heard that too. Yeah. Which I is heard like, that a bit. Weird? But, but How? The, yeah, I heard that from a couple of people that I'd be like, I don't think you've ever spoken to Chachi in your life. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> but that was what was going around like, oh, you fought too technical and didn't. But what do you, this is what I don't understand. is like if you're running the show at one championship, you make a Muay Thai league, you fill it all with elite level stadium ties and then you get upset. About how they like, why don't you just hire a bunch of random pub brawlers then? Yeah, exactly right. Like, you're gonna hire one of the highest IQ fighters ever and be like, Can you be a little bit messy? So, like, you know what I like? I just want, I just want that Zambo, <laughs> that, that those Zambo fights. Yeah, <laughs> like the, if that's what you want, the fighters to do that are around, you can go and find them. Mm. But they put on this big thing about the world's best Muay Thai league, and also, Nongo did not get touched on a ridiculous like that will be when we talk about later in the year the knockout of the year that'll mm. be on my short list 150 yeah. percent i cannot like if you're giving out fifty thousand dollar bonuses and you're not going to give one to nongo for that what are we doing here what the fuck's the bonus for so i don't know what if that's true that he was upset about man chartry you did a good job making an elite muay thai league yeah I got it here Now I need to water it down (laughs) I've built this incredible league And we're talent Now I just need to make it a bit worse (laughs) I don't know what you want It's No it's bizarre But I don't know I assume there's something A little bit more to that Mm. Something personal Because As a promoter How could you want anything different But the thing is like we'll, We'll probably never know so, yeah. so we'll just have to make our own competitive spirit. Justice for Nongo. Justice, that's right. All right, so just a couple more on here. So um, I didn't really get to see a lot on the last one. It's way past my bedtime and I just <laughs> catch up to watch it. Yes. Oh, anyway. oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Superbon. Def- that was sick. Defended his title against Murat. See, if this had been on one of the free shows, there would have been nothing compelling me to buy. True. The main card. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Totally understand that. Yeah. But um, how did this fight go down? It was wicked. Yeah. Was it like just was it like a, a total masterclass or was it very like competitive about? It was. It was com- competitive. Like this was an interesting one in that like the last time these two fought, Murad actually knocked Superbon out. True. Um, but this time Superbon kind of just classed him. Yeah. It was like a lot of this fight was just Superbon taping Murad all over the cage. 
Just not letting him in. Yeah, that tape is unbelievable. Superbon, I've said this before, I'm pretty sure. He's built really strangely. Yes. His hips are really high up. It's just it's well, it's like you just gotta see all the head kicks knockouts he's got. Yeah, he's just he's built to built to tape an eye kick. Like mm-hmm. literally that is his like physical structure. Yeah. Really long torso mm. and hips like disproportionately high. Up on his body. <laughs> and that's like why that tape comes through so beautifully. Mm. Marat just struggled to get that rhythm and he was never gonna never gonna come in and Good play best. like a nah. forearm to forearm kind of kickboxing <laughs> style. Of course but. not. Super Bond, too clean. Too clean. Too classy, as always. He's going... Like, like again, like, I'm really down for him versus Chingas. It's going to be fucking that's, awesome. That's the fight. Yeah. that's And how it looks is interesting as well. And, like, yeah. Because, like, Chingas loves a kicking range. I think this is this is uh, probably the best end result because I mm. don't think... You know, if we came out of this with, like, Super Bond and Sita Chai, it's like they've done, they've yeah, done it before. They've even happen. done it before in one. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't think it would look much different than previous outings. Look, nothing really to say it would, but yeah. I guess you never know. Yeah, um, it's fair. Um, Marat so and Chingiz would also have been a rematch. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. Right. So, um, so also on this card, John Wayne Parlors and that card. Not much to say about it, but like, you know, just glad that John Wayne Parr now is like, you know, just ha- is he, he left the gloves in the ring. Very mm. emotional build up from that. And he's had a stellar career yeah. from that one. And, now, now it's like you know it's retired, and I think I think it's the right time. It's the right time to do it. Oh, like yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe a little bit, yeah, yeah earlier. I was to say that, but I mean, it's whatever. It's not my. It's no one's place to tell anyone when they should stop fighting. Yeah, um, I'm glad. I, I think this was one of those ones. Like when they did versus Nicky, I was like, why? Yeah, like it, it was just. Why you do your boy like that? Yeah, and then um, this one I felt like was a bit more of like a novelty. No, no, not novelties are not, not really what I mean. But like a, a legends, mm-hmm. a veterans, veterans kind of fight. Like mm-hmm. which is I like when it seemed apparent that Wayne Parr was going to continue fighting. Mm. I was a bit like, just get him someone. Even like if maybe there's a rematch or something Just get from old his dude, era, man. yeah, like it's another like, old boy. Like um, I think the the boys on the Moitai are Skarbowski. Yeah, like as a, he would have fucking jumped in. Do it at eighty kilos <laughs> as well. Like, just do something that's just genuinely just fun for the sake of fun. Mm. Which I guess this this kind of was like that, but at the same time, it wasn't really for like a one for the the Muay Thai guys, Not like really. the people yeah. that followed. Wayne's career mm-hmm. but like I'm I'm glad I think it went pretty well the last round was was really like a fun yeah. kind of finish like you'd be like oh he's, he's gonna try to he was very like he was always a hard fighter yeah Um, and it was hard not to be again it was a little bit again we've been through his retirement four times now mm-hmm. so maybe <laughs> out of uh, feelings for it but I think like it's better to see him get the chance to have a retirement fight on like a show of that stature. Well, like he, he got all the got all the media coverage from yeah. for that one, all the like the tributes and that coming through. Like it's it it nice. Okay. Yeah. That's what I and that's, that's what we all really want to see is just him be able to just mm. get the bag and get out. John Wayne right into the sunset. Yeah, it's cool and there's a lot he's got a very successful gym his place in Australian Muay Thai is mm-hmm. is um 
unshakable. Yeah. It's just it. one of the best ever to do it. Best ever. And it really did inspire a whole generation oh, as one of the first so Australians to go over and live the dream and do the Thailand thing. Mm-hmm. So regardless, again, it's no one's place to say when it's the right time for someone to retire. He wanted one more. Yeah. He had every right to go after it and really like to even be able to get in and mm-hmm. have a go like that at 45. Inspirational again. Yes. You know, great. so yeah. Awesome. All right. Um, so that'll do it. Uh, fuck that rod tank fly. Like, you know, we knew what was going to go on. I was so surprised. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> 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 I, can't, I just can't waste energy on that one. It's like, Did you watch it? I didn't care to watch it, to be honest. So, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, whoops. Yeah. Did it go down as imagine? That's like, as. Yeah. I mean, like, rod tank had a good go in the first round, just sort of chased DJ down. And honestly, DJ, like, didn't sort of run away or anything. Like, mm. he actually had to. Like, he was conservative, but he, he played the game of Rod Tang, and he was trying to hit him. Yeah. Like, threw up some left kicks. And, and it's one of those fights where you could see, like, the power difference between the two of them. Like, when Rod Tang would kick yeah. DJ, because DJ was kicking back, he was kind of throwing that high <laughs> left kick up over okay. Rod Tang's arm. Um, just the difference mm. was was so visually clear. When each would land, but just DJ's just ring smart enough to just not get knocked out. <laughs> and then just the second <laughs> round started, and Rod Tang like just was retreating backwards, mm. around, which he doesn't do. And then it was just yeah, second DJ got a hold of him. It was just, I'm gonna take there you was down. Nothing to it, yeah. And Rod Tang didn't tap. Good on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way they do. Just get to sleep. <laughs> uh, Excellent. A weird fight. Weird. Uh, that had no point whatsoever. And now Jonathan Haggy's calling out uh, Mighty Mouse for the for the same. Think so. Thing are we doing for the? <laughs> yeah. What else? <laughs> I guess. But we're doing one round. Uh, well, because I know Haggy's been about going to MMA in one. Well, I think he, uh, from what I heard, he actually started off in MMA really, like, really early on, yeah. and then transitioned. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, from what I heard. Anyway, I heard a, few, a fair few people say that, but it might be wrong. Okay, I say don't do a mixed rules fight ever again. I mean, no, actually, yeah, don't do it ever again. I don't see the point of them. Yeah, I, it doesn't. It, it doesn't interest me. And like, I get it. It's like stupid enough to just make people be like, "What's this? What's this? Who knows?" <laughs> oh, well. See how it goes. Hey, mate. Hey, you want me to open your yogurt? There you go. <laughs> All right. Bye, bye. All right, we finish up. So we're just going to do questions now. Yes. Do, 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 do. Um, so got a couple of questions. Uh, just quick. Did you want to do that one at all? Or? Um, I don't really have an answer. Yeah, I'll do fine. It next week. That's fair enough. Cool. All right, so. There's a question about my love life. <laughs> all right, so uh, we'll do two questions today that were sent in. And like as we talked about before, please send us in questions mm. or send us in topic uh, topics that you want us to talk about from there. More than happy to tackle them as best we can. Uh, if we don't get any for your questions today, we'll, we'll hold on to them and yeah. like, you know, try and answer them later on, like in, in later episodes as well. I think it's that one that I need to like too much true so if i don't do it straight away i just kept it yeah <laughs> i kept right. it to answer it properly no way we, we yeah so if you ever send questions we we keep them i right? say we, we read them so yeah we're very appreciative of it um so we got one in from the man himself pinky pinky muay thai sent in the question so he says your thoughts on running muay thai similar to boxing as far as pro am goes should records restart that is an interesting question i feel like maybe we touched on this Mm. It's always it's good worth to discussing, it. and yeah. we want to change our opinions on it. That's the 
episodes go on as well. If you take this from the top as just like a, a yes, no, should we reset guys' records when they go pro? What would you say? And then we can unpack it a little bit further. Yeah. Um, so so you say, yeah, as a, as a reach from there. So when they go pro, what he's saying is like, we should just like basically say, yes, we start mm-hmm. at zero again. Yeah. Um, I'm going to opt for it. I'm all for it too. As well. It's because like, you know, the amateurs from there, it's like you could have like, you know, from juniors all the way up, like, you know, like yeah. man style or they've taken other things like boxing or MMA. It's like amateurs is like, it's like training ground kind of stuff. Yeah. You just kind of develop your thing. And then when you go from pros, you just go, yeah, zero. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. See, I think that's the way it should be. But I think the problem we have in Australia is like lack of standardization. So yes. it's easier to make a match when um, you just lay out how many times they've been into the ring altogether because you'll mm. start to see some fight. See, my thing with this is I sometimes follow on shows and they explicitly ask, What's your professional record? And I will submit. Just whatever. a professional Yeah, whatever my record. If they just ask for my record, I put everything. Yeah, go amateur, pro. Yeah, just as one cumulative, here's all my fights. Because yeah. I'm conscious of not being disingenuous. So, like, if someone's, if a show just says, what's your record? And I say I've had, I mean, honestly, I've actually overtake amateur fights in pro fights now. Um <laughs> If I just say my pro fights and then someone... I don't want to be in this... Because a lot of the time they'll say, what's your record? I might write my pro record and then there'll be... A lot of the shows give you that yeah. questionnaire, yeah, which is always good. And they'll say, how many fights you've had? And then there'll be a, a question for, what about your amateur experience as mm. well? Yeah. In that case, yeah, I'll answer pro for record if not explicitly asked for and then I'll mm. write my amateur... If the question is just how many fights have you had, I put everything. Because yeah. I'm not trying to be – I want to be completely transparent about mm. the number of fights. But also, like, for the most part now, like, I want to ask you a fight, like, they know. Yeah. It's not like anyone's going to be like, hey, you had those 20 secrets. Like, I've been fighting just in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's well documented. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I started coming through saying I've had 12 fights or something, people would be like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think – it would be a really good idea and it would like we all in every state have the same idea of what constitutes a profile I think mm. so like you could have someone saying okay I've only had four profiles and you can look back in the record and be like a lot of your amateur fights are actually in a pro format you know what yes. I mean so it's like every state kind of having a different idea because you could look at like Queensland's the best example a lot of people just start fighting with no pads or anything on commercial shows should we say all their fights are pro because they're in a pro format, even if they weren't maybe at a pro level? That's where it gets difficult because then you'll have Queenslanders going to other states with like 30 fights on their record. Yeah. With someone with the same amount of actual in-ring experience having five to ten. But then like it becomes difficult because if you've got someone from New South Wales just putting in every single fight they had, some of these would have had shin guards and headgear on and, mm. and not really be worth contributing it's, to the record. And also there'd be a fair few people that had Thailand fights. Thailand well, like, fights are a tricky one too. Yeah, because like, you know, they're almost the same as Queensland, but there's definitely like fucking like experience levels or levels within that is also. Yeah, and like there's a problem I talk to some of my friends in the States and they say there's been a big issue with their um, kind of athletic commissions in that if they – or their sports board, whatever they call it, their mm. their equivalent of our CSA, um, where someone goes to Thailand, they get their experience, they have a fight, they come back, and then 
they'll be trained for a fight and they'll get the note from, you know, the sports board to say, oh, we understand that you went to Thailand and had this fight. It was pro by our understanding, so you're now a oh, one wow. fight pro. And that's why uh, okay. there's a less... Uh, in the past could be different and obviously different states will be different but yeah. that's why there's actually been an apprehension for some younger American fighters to go and do the Thailand thing and mm. get that experience automatically puts them in that next because they come back to the states and now they're considered pro when they haven't fought at a pro level just in a professional the, format yeah, those bungalow stadium fights mm. don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't match and up. it's it's good experience but it is amateur experience you know what I mean mm. So, and then as we've discussed with some of our friends in America also being a bit like going pro is a very strategic decision there because it can greatly limit mm. your opportunity to fight because a lot of the experience there is in that tournament kind of amateur format that you can't do once you go pro. So if you went to Thailand for a few months and had a couple of fights, got some good experience and then went back to the States, you'd have to fight pro far before you're ready and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it can be a big sacrifice to your career. Yeah. But the other interesting thing with the amateur and pro thing, so I think the the biggest inhibitor is lack of standardization. So what are mm. we calling pro? Like WA is very defined. Yeah. And you have X amount of fights in pads and then you can go on to mm. pros and we're pretty defined here in New South Wales as well, but other states. Victoria now. Yeah. Because they, they used to do the yeah. The the kind of only issue there was like everything was kind of pro. So people would have their first fight and it'll be Pro. pro whereas now they've got the Muay Thai Victoria thing mm. and so that will be a clearly defined they'll probably actually be the best state for that yeah it looks like it yeah it seems like it's like the, the model that's getting set up there is really good yeah and I also think the thing we have is like now I think we're coming to a point in New South Wales where it's kind of like you just use the development day stuff to get your feet wet and then you go pro but going going pro is not the way it is in boxing. We've made this big decision to step up. It's just mm. kind of, it's a it's a legislative thing. Yes, it's, just, it's not like you guys. Can, I mean, like we we're mostly getting now. If it's a pro, there's a standardization of a pro fight's three minute rounds and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, I know some states will technically register guys as pro just for the sake of getting them out of the pads. Yeah, but it'll be actually we're seeing less of that now. Mm. Um. It's just, just a lot more opportunity to do that, the, a lot more amateur stuff. Yeah. And padded stuff, so, yeah. But here, like, it's not – we've adopted it well. Because what I'm also starting to see, and it could just be the last few shows, I think that amateur – in New South Wales, that amateur layer between Development Day and Pro is kind of vanishing. Yeah. You know, it's people kind of are doing good. the Dev Day thing to get ready, mm-hmm. and then they'd rather just take the pads off and Yeah, just do a few and then – Yeah. Because, like, I know a couple of our guys that have been doing, like, they've been actually struggling to get amateur fights. Seems like their mm. days are, are more available. Yeah, it seems like that. Which is interesting. Yeah. Because we do just have this weird thing in New South Wales where you have to wear just headgear when you're an amateur. So if you're taking the shin guards off, you might as well take it all off. Find 10 ounce gloves and a proper hand wrap. Well, like I say, it's like that. <coughs> It's just those layerings, isn't it? Like you just go from all pads to basically almost none. So you might as well, what's the point of almost none? Yeah. Like you're not getting any. <laughs> like using the least, should be like the least useful off stuff. Yeah, yeah, just use like elbow pads and, mm. and shin guards, like if machine guards and make that, yeah, I don't know. It's not. Mm. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of starting to see people using like amateur fighting becoming more mm. the dev day. Yeah, and we're seeing quicker, quicker into the pros because guys used to stay amateur way too long in New South Wales. Yes, people like no one needs to have 
20 amateur fights, <laughs> 15 right. amateur fights. It's getting there. It's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you can see that change is happening now. And it's, yeah. it's good. It's looking it great. Is good. But then it also raises the question mm. like, you know, are we really going to have a big amateur portion of your record and a big pro port? Are we going to start more so just shuffling people into what we call pro, but it's not like pro in the sense. Yeah, we're like kind of established a bit of a B class. Yeah. Which then raises the question as well as what do you do with records then, mm. you know? Yeah, is it a pro record? But to keep it kind of simple, I, I do think in an ideal world where all the development systems are where they should be, you'd have... So you say an amateur record and a pro record, I say like just when you're amateur, don't even really be compiling. Who cares? Mm. Go do your tournaments and this and that. Do whatever you can do over a couple of years and then pro and that's where your record kind of starts. Like your amateur portion is just mm. like put less emphasis on what the record is because then you've got people protecting their mm-hmm. three, three and O records and like <laughs> you're missing the point. And I guess it's like a lot of trans just also just being transparent with like, you know, when they say, it goes, oh, this guy's got, he's got a fair bit of experience mm. going into his pro yeah. record. It's like, you know, so he's not like a fresh like guy. And then if you go into pro anyway, you've had experience. Well, that's also interesting. Like, cause when you look at boxing, a zero and zero fighting a zero and zero, that's just always considered the same. Yeah. Like, cause that's what you see is like with these guys have had 150 mm-hmm. amateur fights or Olympic. Yeah amateur boxing careers or whatever like mm. once you hit that reset it's like if you chose not to get a bunch of amateur experience that's you. your personal problem we both zero <laughs> zero. which is another layer to it as well right because we're always just trying to match these guys fairly mm. so someone having dozens and dozens of amateur fights versus someone who's really just starting out is an important consideration yeah no, that's fair but yeah I, I do think if the world was perfect, perfect. Um, we would be getting our amateur experience and then resetting uh, when we come to the pros Yeah I think so as well um, So Talking about boxing That segues into our next question Doesn't it It does ah. We're going to go to Andrew's question Cool oh, I don't have it on me So Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. this thoughts on Muay Thai guys Having a block Oh so we'll go uh, I won't ask the question As it was asked to me Because I'll apply the context Andrew did His April Fool's joke The other day um, <laughs> And announced that he was going to be Promoting A boxing show Well what I said to He The way that he wrote it I was pretty convincing Um until you really read the details of the yeah, post. Yeah, it. it's like little hints in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, position that he was going to do a, a boxing show and he he has had some guys boxing recently. Yeah. Shasta Palanchok. Yeah. Um, and that he was a little bit, you know, you know, boxing is cool, but it's not really run well as a as a mm-hmm. business. Let's do boxing the way that we do. Muay Thai. Muay Thai and, yep. and just let the guys jump in and have a go. But the question was thoughts on Muay Thai guys having a box. Um Based on the response, I might actually do it. So I'm, I'm, I think there's two ways to take this question. Are you asking Muay Thai guys having a box, as in the fighters jumping in, mm-hmm. or Muay Thai guys having a box the way that he was suggesting to start as a promoter, dipping his toes into boxing? So I suppose mm-hmm. we can do both. I believe the question was about yeah. the fighters. So thoughts on Muay Thai guys having a box? Because this is an interesting one for yourself. Because I know you as a trainer have always liked when guys are coming up, especially at that amateur entry-level pro part of their career, if there's no Muay Thai fights, just sending them into some boxing as well. Yep. So what are your thoughts on Muay Thai guys having a box? I think it's definitely fine. Like, it's like, why not? Uh, I guess, like, it also depends on people's styles as well. Like, you know, if like, I, I like to put them in the fact they're more so postponed to being, like, you know, capable boxers. boxers. But sometimes you can, especially in amateur level, you go, like, your hands suck. Fuck, you just practice doing mm. the boxing from there. But, like, you know, same thing again. Then 
I don't like to try and force a fit on people either. Yeah. But like, hey, look, especially in the amateurs, but even some of the pros as well, if they're capable of using their hands, they're like, fuck, why not? And then like, be <laughs> honest. Better. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to say. That the, like after like, you know, doing Luke's one and that one, and, and there's like no disrespect, but like, yeah, the boxing, man, Jesus Christ, they pay a lot, yeah. lot better. And like, again, no disrespect intended. <laughs> it's not like, so sometimes you see like boxing fights, and it's pretty obviously a squash match, right? So there'll be like mm. some Muay Sometimes the specific ask is for a Muay Thai guy. I know. Like they'll be like, I've yeah. got this hot shot 5-0 and up and comer with a big amateur career. I mm. need a fight for him this Friday. Yeah. Any Muay Thai guys want to do it for five grand? And um, <laughs> they'll all do it. But Luke got paid. I mean, like not Luke got paid okay for that fight. Yeah. But also he didn't fight anyone good. Yeah, no. Like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, like it's like an up-and-coming yeah, guy. Like, it's just two dudes like yeah, making was, their pro debut in boxing. A, a, you know, just a, it was a recreational Yeah, and they still got paid boxer well. And yeah, there, there was still more money than would be around mm. for Luke in a Muay Thai fight. So there's just more money exists even for... It's, yeah, it's just interesting as well. Sort of meaningless like, fight. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> we looked at the show, like, you know, just when we talked about the show the other time, it's just when I got there, like the feel, I felt uh, didn't feel good. Auctions are shit. I hate auctions. Um, Don't get me started. Bringing in people to do fucking skits before, you know, it's like halftime shows almost. That's what it was. That was weird. I wasn't there, but you told me. (laughs) And you know what's weird as well? Like, you know, without like the the run more going in the background, it's just so quiet. Well, this is the thing that also, I mean, like, poke at opening can of worms with this. It's like, you go to these shows and boxing, like, we're going to pay you this much. Like, that's, that's all right. Because, you know, I don't have to get kicked or anything. Mm. Um, and then you go there and you're like, where does this money come from? Yeah, like, that's, what, no one that's what I was trying to get at. I was going like, yeah, there's like, there's, it wasn't like, it wasn't like bleaches full of people. Yeah. And that one, it actually felt pretty empty because it was like, it was a pretty big area. But which yeah, is, I don't know where the money fine. <laughs> Who's throwing money at this thing? Um, the auction. <laughs> uh, who, who, who sponsored this one? Blue Haven Pool sponsored this fight. Blue Haven Pool's got a lot of money to spend. Oh, good on him for like, obviously it's a good sponsorship infrastructure. Yeah. Um, not to be criticised because it means, it, anything that results in being able to give the fighters mm. good purses is great. But yeah, there's a lot about boxing that doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's good experience. Like, especially to me, I think there's different mentalities you can take to this in the Muay Thai guys jumping in and having a box. Personally, I believe as, and I'm not a trainer, but as an amateur, I think the most beneficial thing you can do is fight Muay Thai when you're trying to learn Muay Thai. Mm. Like you said, if there is no fights available, which you will get periods of time at any stage in your career, I yep. think there is benefit to getting out of your comfort zone a little bit and really refining one area of your skills. Mm. And you don't know, like you'll find some new stuff. Yeah. It's like, but like it's one of those things as well, especially amateur boxing. I don't really like amateur boxing. I don't like it either. Yeah, it's like, you know, just like how it's scored and the things scoring like that. scoring to me, is, that's the other thing I was going to kind of touch on is that it's good experience to just jump in and have a go, get comfortable throwing your hands, take some time to really develop another element of your game. But then if you want to, as competitors, we never want to be, doing anything for any reason other than to win Mm. and i think especially amateur boxing like you really have to learn the science of scoring amateur boxing and the more time you put into doing that the more you're kind of starting to develop skills that not necessarily detract from muay thai but are not transferable back yeah it's it's you you can't 
have you can't dip your feet in both pools. Yeah, it's too hard. But then as an am, it's like we say as an am. So who cares if you jump in and just if you just get used have to have it go, lean your hands a bit. Get used to yeah. Maybe someone's an apprehensive, mm-hmm. apprehensive to get their hands going. You want to just get them comfortable. Yeah, sitting down, their shots a little bit better. I think that can be perfectly. But especially beneficial. as a coach like I am, I hate fucking losing. Yeah, <laughs> like, even if it's like I just know it's just like oh, it's probably gonna. But you also it. don't want it. like you want to put someone in like a kind of a low pressure situation, like just go and practice yeah. this. But it's That's a difficult. Fair. It's difficult to have someone in there like okay, I don't really want you to put too much time into refining this because it's kind of just redundant info. Mm. But then also you don't want someone training up for a fight, kind of coming like I don't really care what happens. Yeah, which they probably won't. Like I think you just got to be. Sure on your approach, like okay, mm. we're here to knock a dude out. Like just, yeah, you know, after practice that, mm. yeah, and, and don't worry too much about. Because yeah. like I always see this as well, like guys who jump over to boxing to challenge themselves, and they end up kind of stuck between two ways of thinking. Like they're standing completely differently, mm. and they're trying to move in a way that takes more than a couple of fights to get in swing off, and also you're not going to bring back with you. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's like you just got to. It's about the approach. I think it can be beneficial for sure. Yeah. As for I like I like pros. Yeah. Like I like and, pros. and like same thing. And it goes back into the fighter again because like now you're talking pros. Mm. From that one, if like their style suits, like you, you got some people that transferred nicely. Ben, ben Mahoney. Like yeah, Ben Mahoney. Awesome. Fought, fought last night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, I didn't see the result of how he it went. Yeah, yeah, awesome. But he's like, you know, for him, like it very transfer. He could do both. And it's like his styles carry over to like how he approaches both. It suits him very well. Because then I also think like Benny Money got slept on a little bit mm. when he started boxing because he had no amateur boxing career. And I know there was this like a bit of, and it was like, we talk about, I don't think there was Muay Thai fights available for him. He got offered some cash to jump in and box at an entry professional level and kind of turned some heads. Like he had yeah. some good KOs and did it a couple of times in succession and then eventually decided, oh, I actually might just mm-hmm. stay He's over boxing. on this side because you know you're stuck in. Like if it's, there's something disheartening about like if you're a, Muay Thai fighter, like of Benny's experience, he had 40 fights or something, mm. has gone overseas, fought Yogg-Kampon, fought at a very high, you know, WBC Australian champion. Mm-hmm. And then you get caught over to a little boxing show to fight, pretty low stakes fight, and you get paid more than any <laughs> fight. Muay Thai, it'd be a little bit difficult. True. Once at that 40 fight mark to be like, I'm just going to go back over and... You know, can't blame him. Take take harder fights, and now like, I think he got slept on a bit because people like he's had no, he didn't follow the boxing path. But the difference is that also means is he's had hard ass fights his whole career, and it's mm. no secret that boxing likes to kind of coddle their guys' records for. Mm. It's this I don't know what it's going to take for this boxing mentality to die. We don't have to harp on it because it's not a secret, and people talk about it all the time. Yeah. Just the way that they build these guys' records. And you like that's the other weird thing about being in a boxing show is like I've been to watch, you know, my friends fight boxing and they're up and comers or, you know, considered to be up and comers. So they just go out and squash some dude. It looks like you had no business being there. And then the interviewer will be talking to them and be like, Okay, you're fighting for the Australian title in three fights time. What's mm. the plan for the next three? And he's got three booked in the next six weeks that no one's under any illusions as to what mm. these fights are. They're warm-ups, yeah. target practice mm-hmm. on the way to bigger fights and no one really cares about you until you're 25 and oh. Yeah. And it's, it's such... You're like, you don't see anyone have a challenging fight until they have that kind of record. I, mm-hmm. I don't really get it. And then so when Benny Marnie went over to boxing, I think maybe their community underestimated the value of him 
being a like just okay, he needed to become a boxer, but he was a fighter. Like yeah. he had that. He was just, he's already barrel worn. His first fight at fourteen was against Chad Collins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says a lot. Yeah, like been fighting tough dudes his whole life and mm. in a hard sport. Yeah. Um physically hard, I mean like an abrasive mm. sport, getting kicked and elbowed and stuff. Yeah. Then like of course there's a lot of um work to be done to refine the skills but all of the intangibles are already there mm. i think that was somewhat underestimated and now he's adapted beautifully he's okay. one of the best in australia yeah. and um, probably at this point looking poised to move overseas pretty soon nice good on him um so i guess going back to that question from there should they have a go yeah definitely like oh so would you make like just muay thai fighter versus muay thai fighters like that kind of that little pool for a bit like, you know, it's like, it's, 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 it's an interesting prospect. It's but like, I think as well, like, uh, it's like, could be realistic as a Muay Thai guy. Like, obviously the demands of the sports are different. We throw punches in our sport, but the mm. boxing sometimes are fine. But I think like a lot of Muay Thai guys have been proven like they can hang with decent level boxers. Yeah. Like, Especially in Australia. Yeah. So like, I don't, mm. uh, I think, I mean, I think the answer is like, should they have a go? The best answer is if they want. Yeah. Do I think much. they necessarily have to? No. Mm. Like, do I think it's something we should all start doing? Not if you don't feel like it. Nah, definitely not. But I think as well, yeah, we've kind of shown that. Like, I think the Muay Thai fighters are kind of like, oh, this is not like a, a secret. The most like unappreciated combat athletes in Australia. Mm. I think it's starting to add a little bit of credibility for the Muay Thai. Like, yeah. we are seeing some pretty good results when the guys... Jump over the and fence. and it could be like same thing as you're talking about the corporate fight. I think it could be good to see people again, new people eyes on these people and they go, oh, he look like he he went pretty good in this mm. boxing fight. Let me look at his Muay Thai fights. Yeah, well, well, let me see his next Muay Thai to see what he looks when he actually does like yeah the sport that he chose to do. And to stay on Andrew's question through that lens of like, what if we started promoting it the way we do? Because we see Muay Thai guys with like like a a high end Muay Thai guy in Australia will come up with like ten losses on his record. Because we've been watching them take hard fights and learn lessons on the job. We're not trying to protect them and like, oh, I want him to see how he goes. He gets a counterfighter. Let me go and get a bad counterfighter so we can see how he goes. <laughs> so we can, you know, it's just like high-level guys. And the uh, volume that they fight at, like mm. five, six professional fights a year is quite common for Muay Thai guys. Yeah. Boxing, you never really see more than three. Three. Mm. Um and they do the full training camp thing, whereas Muay Thai is a little bit more like just jump in and figure it out on the fly. Um, yeah, would it be make boxing more interesting to see it promoted that way? For me, it would. Yeah. Obviously, there's something to be said for the model that they operate at or it wouldn't still be around today because every, like, everyone's seen through it for 20, 30 years now. Yeah. But it still goes this way. It's a weird business. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see a little boxing league where you just show up and actually watch guys evenly matched fights and yeah like you mm. say chuck a few Muay Thai guys in yeah it's good make it a bit a bit of a wild card thing <laughs> I think you don't know what's fun. gonna happen you know <laughs> it would be fun mm. to see yeah that kind of attitude applied to boxing but I guess no one will do it because you know going overseas relies on being there is so much care as to what guys record yeah, records like. yeah you're like. not gonna send a guy who's 20 wins 10 losses mm. even if he is really good like he's just not going to get. Yeah, it's gonna not going to get viewed as a journey. That, that that record wouldn't make you a journeyman in Muay Thai, nah. um, necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like records don't tell the whole. But we just understand in Muay Thai that a record doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. Definitely not. Uh, in boxing, there's it's always just been 
it's taken at face value. Mm, definitely. All right. And I think that'll do it this week. It was a long one. It's pretty good though. Oh, right, we'll do one more question. One more? Yeah, to sure. touch on what we spoke about earlier yeah. was um, Matt Lucas asks, could David beat Yusuf in a rematch? I didn't see the fight, so um. <laughs> <laughs> shit. I should have had you ask the question. <laughs> right, so, okay. I mean, like, I saw nothing in this fight to say that David is not on the like. I, like I said earlier, he's not on the path to yeah, or like yeah, going from his previous fight with George Mann and like how he's been looking. Just I don't see why not. He's still quite young. He's still young, yeah. um, and obviously Yusuf is maybe on the back end of his career a little yeah, bit yeah, more. Yeah. Um, I definitely think. The answer is yes, mm-hmm. he could. I think he showed he has the skills and just needs – it was strategic. It was decision-making mm-hmm. and that you learn that by doing it. So I say yes, but also I will say I do not think we will see this rematch. Probably not. Because I think Yusuf is on a bit of a retirement tour mm-hmm. from Muay Thai. And, well, and there's like, yeah, like this fight, Liam Nolan, tough fights. Tough fights, tough yeah. Fights. Um, he's moving to MMA. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's very interesting. Yusuf and his brother are both going to do MMA. Mm, well, there you go. So I think he's just kind of getting his last few Muay Thai fights in and I don't see him jumping back and forth. I think he'll make yeah. that move completely. Have to. Yeah. You can't hang that top level and try and, yeah, have your feet in both pools. No, and you're probably already seeing that in that. I think he's probably training MMA most of the time now. Sure. Like I see him on social media wearing his gi and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I think there's only so long. Can fight hungry because he's still fighting hungry up and comers like people who want to knock him off the perch. Liam Nolan, mm. David. So, oh uh, yeah, I think that mentality kind of expires after a while. Yeah, when you stop training Muay Thai like an elite Muay Thai fighter and you're training MMA, but just leveraging your existing Muay Thai <laughs> capability. But could David beat Yusuf in a rematch? I say the fight suggests yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. Nice. That was a good one. I wouldn't mind seeing Davey fight Liam Nolan. That'll be a good fight as well. But uh, it seems like Liam Nolan might have a bit on his plate in a couple of different fights coming, maybe in one, maybe in England itself. Yeah. So, so, so. Keep, keep that schedule busy. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening to the podcast this week, guys. Remember, follow us on Instagram. Like and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, And, of course, subscribe and like to us on YouTube as well. All right. And until next week, catch you next time. See you. Peace. Thanks again for listening to the Combat Chat Podcast. You can catch all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and all other podcast platforms. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Follow your boys on Instagram, Facebook, at Combat Chat Podcast. See you next week.